0: So far, we've learned a little bit about kinematics, or movement, over the past episodes here on the show. And today, we're taking a look at kinetics. That's the study of forces that produce motion. And you'll hear that a few times, but forces produce motion. Kinematics describes that motion and kinetics causes it.
1: For example, if you wanted to uh, move a golf club, if it's just sitting there at address um, in order for you to, to move it, and, and the movement would be a, a kinematic, so in order to create some, some change in position some velocity you need to accelerate it and to produce an acceleration we need to apply a force at the grip so the, the forces that we're applying to the grip of the club will, uh, will change the motion of the club so the forces are the kinetic um, causing a change in the, the kinematics
0: of the club Our guest for today, Dr. Sasho McKenzie, mentioned a few terms there. Force and acceleration. That gets us back to Newton's second law, force equals mass times acceleration. On the left side of that equation, there's force. That's the kinetics. That's what causes what's going on on the right side of the equation, particularly the acceleration, which helps us describe motion. And today, we're taking a look at forces. What are they and how they work in the golf swing and how it impacts you, the golfer you're listening to the golf science lab we're to light important research and concepts that you need to understand to improve your learning and performance hey i'm your host cordy walker thank you so much for joining us for this season of the show we're taking a look at the golf swing we're talking to some of the leading biomechanists who research the swing and are going to help us what's going on and the attempt is to take very complex topics and things that might be difficult to understand and make them as simple as possible If you enjoyed this episode, go check out our Golf Science Lab Insider Group. We've created a unique portal of audio, video, that you can go through on some of these critical topics that we talk about. Join thousands of other insiders in the Golf Science Lab mission to focus on what works based on science over myths and misguided best practices at golfsciencelab.com slash insider. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by KVEST. KVEST has two primary systems, the KVEST which is a four sensor system and the KPlayer which is a two sensor system. Martin Hall recently shared his thoughts on the K player and how he uses it with students.
1: I've never seen a piece of technology that helps people find the positions or the angles, maybe I should say,
2: that
0: address better than the K player. If you love golf, you owe it to yourself to look at the K player. Head over to k-vest.com and watch a full video with Martin Hall showing you the system in the real world and how you might use it. Let's kick off this episode with an example, and an example of how understanding the potential complexity of kinetics can actually bring about simplicity in the way that a coach works with a student.
2: For instance, with, with Sean O'Hare, he has quite a lot of what we would call the, the pull along the shaft, or that's the moment of force in transition. He has a ton of that and very little sort of popping the club shaft up, which is the couple putting pressure against the shaft. So against the shaft and along the shaft, two different things. Now, so we've got a lot of pull down. Now we understand that if his club, the way that he applies torque to the club, his club gets crossed over at the top. So it's pointing out there to right field, right side of the fairway. As he applies his kind of, Pull down on the golf club and it's not low speed. What happens is as he pulls down, you know, this comes, you know, basically right out of the same kind of book as what Sasha's talking about. The club shaft gets under late, right? So the whopping 10 second golf lesson that actually really cleaned it up a ton. He had a great year uh, was, Hey, could we point the club over that way more at the top? get a little more laid off so that it kind of fit with the way that his 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 application of the forces and torques worked <laughs> well basically speaking i was able to predict that the club shaft would behave totally differently based on this one 10 second golf lesson and
0: it did that was a golf instructor named john dunnigan he's a fantastic coach outside of philadelphia and coached a pga tour player sean o'hare so let's get started with forces here we go
1: to me i think the, the club is a great place to start with uh with kinetics i think it's if there's ever something that's going to be more straightforward and easier an easy way to learn it would be understanding how the club is moved
0: there are actually three forces at play on the golf club that we need to know about and those three
1: forces would be gravity which acts at the uh, the balance point or at the center of mass of the golf club and it's always equal to the weight of the club and it's always acting straight down. And the second one uh, would be um, aerodynamic forces or, or air resistance. So those kind of resist the uh, the motion of the club. And they're actually, they tend to be quite small. The faster the club moves, the bigger they get. But really, they're probably only going to change, you know, club head speed by by a couple miles per hour. Ping come up with, you know, the the, the concept of these turbulators to try and reduce that a little bit. And so those are two, gravity and air resistance. And the third one are the forces that the golfer's applying at the grip with their hands. And those, by far and away, are the major determinants of of how the club moves. Gravity and air resistance pretty small in comparison to the, the forces the golfer's applying to the grip.
0: So, we have these three forces impacting what is going on with the club, but the primary force involved here is being what you do as the golfer. What forces are you applying to that club with your hands on the grip? Because, at a very basic level, there are forces anytime two things come into contact your foot on the ground, uh, that's another force at play here, and we'll get to that here next week on the show, or your finger on the computer keyboard and your hand on the grip of the golf club. In each instance, there are forces at play.
1: Every part of both hands that are contacting the club are, are applying forces to the club, but it can be helpful to kind of just imagine that the the right hand is applying uh, a force to the club, a net force. It's a sum of all those individual forces that, that you know are acting between the right hand and the club. We have one force from the right hand that represents the average of all those, and same with the, the left hand. And I think, you know, that helps also from a coaching perspective as well as an analysis perspective to think, okay, we got the left hand applying a net force and, and the right hand applying uh, a net force or an average force of all those little individual forces.
0: So, each hand is applying a force to the club, not the same forces. In fact, they're working in opposition to each other most of the time. And together, we can look at the sum of those forces. Unfortunately, there isn't an overwhelming amount of research we can look at on this. But there's one piece that illustrates a little of what this might look like.
1: There was a Japanese researcher that actually instrumented the, the grip of a golf club and collected uh, data on, um, on touring professionals. His name is Koike, K-O-I-K-E. And, and what, he, what he did was uh, he instrumented the grip so he could actually directly measure the forces that uh, each hand is applying to the grip throughout the swing, something that no one's ever done before and really gave us some insights into how the golfer moves the club. And probably uh, one of the the most interesting findings was that the left and right hands tend to work in opposition for the majority of the swing. Let's say we get to the the top of the swing, okay? And let's say we've got a nice uh, swing that we can envision like, say, Adam Scott. So if we've got Adam Scott at the top of the swing, you know, the club's parallel to the ground, what uh, this Japanese researcher actually found was that we can say the the left hand of of Adam Scott would be pulling vertically down, but the right hand would be pushing vertically up. So those those forces are actually equal and opposite and and the same goes for at that point in the swing at the top of the swing. the left hand would be pulling along, the grip along the shaft such that it would be trying to pull the grip off while the right hand would actually be pulling along the grip in a way in a manner that would try to push the grip onto the shaft of the club. So, there's one point in time but an example of how the, the hands are, are working um, in opposite directions.
0: So, we have a little bit of insight into what the hands are doing to the golf club now. They're actually working against each other almost and creating different forces. Now, measuring this is tricky because having an instrumented handle like they did in this study is not something that's just lying around for most people. What's most common to measure forces is actually force plates, which you stand on while hitting the ball. And that's not measuring what's going on with the club. So, we have to figure out another way. And another option is inverse dynamics. There's a little math involved with this one.
1: Another option is that can give us some indication of the forces, allow us to predict the forces, to use a, a process called uh, inverse dynamics. And so, if you, if we're trying to figure out, hey, what are the forces that the golfer is applying to the club, and we don't have an instrumented handle, then we can reverse Newton's second law, which is F equals ma. So, so in reality, I think I've covered this a, a bunch. Um, is that forces acting on a mass produces an acceleration it doesn't work the other way around objects don't accelerate to produce forces so, so newton's laws are pretty clear forces cause motion that's would be four dynamics that's how the world works but if we capture the motion of a club using a system you know uh, like a motion capture system in a biomechanics lab or a lot of golf instructors now have gears or using an electromagnetic system like TPI 3D or AMM 3D or, or Rob Neill's golf Biodynamics system. So we capture the motion of the club, we can get the accelerations from that motion. And if we know the acceleration of the club, then we can use inverse, we could u- apply Newton's second line inverse to say, well, if this is the acceleration of the club, then this must have been the forces that were producing that. That's called inverse dynamics. And so since we know... Gravity, then we can figure out hey, the, what's left over must be the, the golfer applied force. So that's how we could figure out the forces being applied to the club using inverse dynamics.
0: A little more work than just swinging the club and looking at some numbers. However, when folks like Dr. Sasho go through this process, it can give us an idea of what's going on in the golf swing. What forces are applied by the golfer when? because we the golfers are applying the forces the force that we create as the golfer creates the motion
1: a lot of people will say that you know the large forces you can apply to the grip um, near impact which you know can be over a hundred pounds for a really fast club at speed you're you're actually pulling the grip off the club with you know a hundred pounds of force really close to impact if you say you've got a club head speed of 120 miles per hour So some people would say well you couldn't develop that you know, that, that force is caused by the high clubhead speed or it's caused by the fact that the, the club is moving in a circle. And I would say, no, it's that the high club head speed isn't causing the force. It's just setting up the conditions that allow you, the golfer, to, to apply that
0: force. All right. So the high clubhead speed isn't causing the force. It's setting up the conditions to allow the golfer to apply that force. If you were to
1: start at address... And say, all right, let's see if you can apply 100 pounds of force to pull the grip off of the club. You wouldn't be able to do it because what would happen is that as soon as you started to try and pull the grip off, the club would move towards you. And that would mean that your muscles would have to contract even faster to apply that force. And eventually the club would even like run into your your belly or your body and so, you, you wouldn't be able to ever develop that, that, that high, high force. So, that, that velocity near impact sets up the conditions that allow you to try and, hey, I can apply this force that's trying to pull the grip off. That club is not going to move towards me, which means that my muscles can contract slower, which means that I can produce much higher forces.
0: So, what do we actually do now? As we learned, there are two goals in this study of biomechanics one being to improve performance, and the other to reduce injury so by understanding what the forces are how can we improve performance
1: yeah sure so i think one of the one of the clearest ways that i i use an inverse dynamics analysis of the club to improve performance would be related to club head speed so those uh those forces that the golfers applying to the club 100 percent determine club head speed you know along with uh gravity and air resistance which are pretty negligible and, and are pretty similar across all swings. So really you've got the, the input from the golfer. And I use what's called a, a work energy approach. I can look at the, the the forces that they're applying to the grip and the, the length of the path that the grip travels during the swing. You take the, the force applied along that path by the golfer, you can get the, the linear work that they do in the club. And then if you, that's uh, one way they can add club head speed is by doing linear work to the club. The other way is to do angular work, which is a torque that they apply over the angle that the club moves through, The rota- how much rotation the club goes through. So they can do linear work and angular work, and those two things completely determine um, club head speed. So when you do an inverse dynamics analysis, you can say, okay, do we want to increase the linear work, or do we want to increase the angular work? And then we can start looking at, okay, well, what are the, the movements they can perform with their body to to, to do more work on the club in an effort to increase club
0: head speed. All right, a lot of technical talk, but this leads us to a great example. Check this out.
1: Just before Christmas, uh, spent a day with a, a tour player. He's, he's, he's won a few majors, wants some more ball speed. Um, and I use this approach with him. And basically, uh, you know, I try to. Th- I think of it as low-hanging fruit. So, you know, what what are the least intrusive thoughts for this player to make that can see the most gains in club head speed? And so, uh, what was in uh, seemed obvious to me was that the, the length of this individual's hand path wasn't particularly long. So, uh, you know, one of the things was when we were collecting data was, hey, let, let's see if we can just uh, move the grip of this club through a bigger range of motion. Uh, it was that simple. Um, in fact, I gave him, I said, you know, try to swing a little bit more like Jack Nicklaus. You know, we pictured a few swings of Jack Nicklaus when he was really ripping balls back in the day, and he had moved his hands to a really large arc. And we saw, uh, you know, a. a, a Consistent increase in, in ball speed by about uh, four miles per hour. That's that's continued to persist uh, over the last um, you know few weeks. So so that's a good thing. So there's an example of um, you know applying physics and this inverse dynamics analysis to to say okay let's what can we do to to, to increase club head speed.
0: I just want to make one clarification here. Typically Sasha would work with a coach in this capacity, and you'll find that with the majority of biomechanists.
1: Yeah, usually um, usually it's through the filter of a coach, but this particular um, golfer uh, wanted to serve as their
0: own filter. So that's looking at improving performance. The other goal of biomechanics is to reduce the risk of injury. And as we heard before, this is a tricky subject because elite level athletes might overlook the risk of injury to stay at a peak performance or gain an edge over the competition, especially when you're talking about forces on the club.
1: Looking at the forces you're applying to the club, I would have no ability to um, predict whether you'd be your likelihood of of sustaining an injury. The best predictor I could have is that the people with higher club head speeds would have higher forces and they would be more likely to be injured. (laughs) Which isn't particularly helpful.
0: And that's the point. Who doesn't want to swing harder with higher club head speeds? If you told Jason Day that he could reduce some back pain and get injured less by changing his swing, but he's going to lose 10 miles per hour in swing speed, just a guess, but there's no way he's going to do that. He's willing to have that risk to gain a competitive advantage and potentially win more golf tournaments. One of the other things that I found most interesting about forces is this concept from Dr. Sasho. The forces can stay the same, even though the movement changes. So, you can change the way your hips move, let's say, but you can still apply the same forces. And there are some interesting interpretations that I want to share here, but let's see what Dr. Sasha has to say first.
1: If you had a guy set at the, the top of the swing and you said, okay, here are, here are the forces and torques profiles, you know, like the, throughout the time of the downswing, let's say it's a quarter of a second, and you said, okay, here, Adam Scott these are the force force profile you're going to apply with your right hand, this is the force profile you're going to apply with your, your left hand, that those will completely determine exactly how the club moves at every instance in the, in the swing. So if those for, forces t- that he's applying to the club don't change, this, the swing is going to look absolutely identical, the path, the impact spot in the face, everything will be absolutely identical swing after swing. And it's possible for him to make very, you know, kind of different motions with most of his body, but actually move the club in the exact same way. So, you know, our our, our body has um, redundancies built in, um, so many degrees of freedom that, that we could actually produce the same force and torque patterns using um, slightly different, um, you know, m- movements of our body. So there's, there's no guarantee that a change in movement of the body will result in in, in a different forces and, and torques patterns, which, which is interesting. Another way to look at it is that if you have a certain pattern that the club is moving through kinematically during the downswing, then if you do manage to change that, then there must have been a change in those force profiles from the left and right hand. So that the only way to, to actually exert an influence on, on the motion of the club, even if you think all the way down impact in terms of where it hits in the face or the path or the face angle or any of that stuff is by changing the forces and torques you're applying to the club during the swing. So,
0: this is pretty cool. We've talked about in the past how in learning, we adapt to our environment and how we find solutions to problems put in front of us. We're highly adaptable individuals and this for me is just another version of that were variable enough to adapt and apply the same forces, even though the movement might change. That's just incredible to me.
1: Well, I think what, what's what's great about kinetics is, unlike kinematics, especially when we're talking about the kinetics the golfers applying to the club, is that it's it's very much related to feel, right? The forces that you're applying to the grip are what what the golfer feels now there could be some subjectivity in how you interpret that feeling but but certainly larger forces would be identified as yeah i can feel that force getting larger or i can feel that i'm pushing on the grip rather than pulling on the grip you know and that should show up in the kinetics so i think when when i start talking about hey these hands are working in opposition to each other for a lot of the uh, golf pros they start to uh see and and and, you know kind of reevaluate when they're swinging a club and actually yeah they start to tune into yeah i do feel that maybe they never thought about it before they weren't as in tune with what is happening with the grip in their hands but all of a sudden they start to pay a little more attention to it and and they start to realize yeah okay that is that is what's going on and so, you know, I think that's important then if you're, if you're trying to give a, a, a student, a golfer, that you're instructing some, some feedback on what they should be feeling, or what they should be doing, it's important to, to realize maybe that those hands are working in opposition during the swing.
0: Another major component of kinetics we need to cover is torque.
1: In general, a, a torque can be thought of as the, as the turning effect of a force. So, you can't have a torque unless you have a force and if an object's rotational motion changes, then then a torque must have been the cause.
0: So, Dr. Sasha gave me an example to try to help me understand this and I'm going to share that with you. If you're sitting down at a table, try this out. So, grab a pen and if you lay that down on the table and you apply a force at the center of the pen and it slides in the direction of your pushing, you've applied a force And you've moved that pen, and no torques are applied if it just slides straight forward. If you push on one side of that pen, it should rotate. And if I just push on that right side, that side will move forward farther than the left side of the pen. And there's a torque occurring there. Putting that all together, this is how he goes about looking at that, the torques in an inverse dynamics analysis.
1: How I end up doing an inverse dynamics analysis on the golf club is as follows you track the motion of the club and by tracking the motion of the club you're able to get the linear acceleration of the center of mass of the golf club and we can measure the weight of the golf club we can put on a scale before the analysis starts so i go okay i know the mass of the club and i know the linear acceleration that allows me to to do inverse dynamics and apply newton's second law which says hey if i know the mass and acceleration of this object i can figure out the net force acting on it. And I know gravity, so therefore I can figure out what the golfer must be doing. Okay, great. So now we got the golfer, the net force the golfer is applying to the club. Awesome. And then I can also get the angular accelerations of the club around its center of mass during the swing. And I know the moment of inertia of the club, that's the angular equivalent of mass. And therefore that allows me to compute the the torques. So that's how that's how inverse dynamics works.
0: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our introduction to kinetics. As always, if you check out the post that goes along with this episode, you'll find links to some additional resources if you want to dive deeper and learn more about this topic. A big thanks to Dr. Sasha McKenzie for joining us. He shared so much knowledge here and really helped us start to understand what kinetics are. Make sure to check out the forces and motion workshop that he's doing with Dr. Phil Cheatham. If you're a golf coach, definitely check that out. They're running a series of workshops in person and online that I recommend looking into. Make sure to head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider to get access to the content first and stay up to date on what we're doing to document golf and golf improvement. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. Music includes Breakfast with Tiffany by Broke for Free, licensed under Attribution Sharealike 3.0, unported. Curiosity by Lee Rosevier, Attribution 4.0 International. Modulation of the Spirit by Little Glass Men attribution 3.0 United States making a change by Lero severe attribution 4.0 international and kelp grooves by little glass men attribution 4.0 international. Thank you so much for joining us on the golf science lab. We'll see y'all next week.